0: Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby Urrutia, and we are here to preview the big Miami versus North Carolina game here on Saturday night. Huge one in terms of the trajectory of the program and this season what it means for the Hurricanes, et cetera, et cetera. So let's get into it, Gabby. I want to start with injury talk, of course, on the top of the show. And look, I mean, this is all pretty top-secret stuff, but I think on the the stuff that that is worth addressing, my understanding on things where where they're at right now. You know, Elijah Arroyo in the uh, Georgia Tech game dressed out went through warmups in a, in a full capacity. I don't believe he got a snap in the game. Uh and we kind of said going into the game it was it was going to be maybe that approach they felt like if they really really needed him. So I think that was more so like if injuries started happening at a tight end they'd throw him in there. But I think really the goal was to to have him ready for this North Carolina game. So I would view him as probable for this North Carolina game. I kind of expect him to play Kobe young kind of took a shot in, in his knee while he was blocking, um, during that Georgia tech game, he put a knee brace on returned to action during the game, which I think is encouraging. And, and my understanding is I, I think he's going to be good to go on Saturday. So let's see how that unfolds. Akeem Mesidor. My sense is questionable. Um, I, I, I am hoping for the best, but I personally am looking at it as like questionable to doubtful. Mark Fletcher, I think, is going to be doubtful for this game. Um, so those are the main ones. I don't know. Do you have anything to add um, to any of those guys or anything?
1: Yeah, no, I'm n- nothing particular on my end. Um, I'm trying to think of like anyone else. Uh, I mean, Francis came back into the Francis Malinola, the right tackle, came sure. back into the game. So. I'm guessing he's going to be good to go as well. Um I'm trying to think of anyone else that left or or anything like that but nothing really comes to mind.
0: Yeah. So we'll see we'll we'll have a better idea as Miami warms up who's who's going to be good to go and who isn't. Again, Miami is traveling to North Carolina this Saturday. It's a 7:30 kick ABC primetime game. Weather's going to be proje- it's projected in the low 60s. With some rain coming in that day, we will see if it rains during that game. Right now, it looks like it might rain more early afternoonish, mid morning to early afternoonish, uh, but that stuff can change as we know with weather. Overview of North Carolina's season to this point, Gabby they've they've done a nice job navigating kind of a, a sneaky tough start to the season. You know, I don't know if they've necessarily they haven't played any. Top 25 teams to this point, but they've played four power five teams and one of the toughest group of five matchups in the country with wins over South Carolina, App State, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and most recently, Syracuse. They've handled four of those teams for for double digit win margins um, in those victories and then the App State game was an overtime game that, that North Carolina pulled out. Miami is the best team North Carolina's played to this point. Um, so it is interesting from a North Carolina perspective in that regard, in terms of this is kind of a barometer type game for North Carolina as well, who has started the season undefeated. I believe this is only like the fourth time in their program history that they've started a football season five and zero. So, They're trying to accomplish special things. And if you look at how their schedule lays out, this is a massively important game in terms of, you know, if they are a college football playoff team, this is a game, of course, that they have to win. Uh, North Carolina's coaching staff is a good coaching staff. Of course, Mac Brown returns as head coach. He is 4-0 against Miami here recently. Three of those four games have been decided by a field goal. Uh, Miami, since joining the ACC, is 8-11 against North Carolina. Uh, The last win at Chapel Hill was 2017. And in terms of just wins as an active coach, uh, Mack Brown is second in the country, trailing only Nick Saban. Nick Saban has 285 wins in his career. Mack Brown is at 279. So he's a guy with a lot of experience, seen it all, knows how to lead a team, of course. Their offensive coordinator Different this year, Phil Longo went to Wisconsin. Uh, so now they are coordinated by Chip Lindsay, who kind of runs a modern air raid. He wants balance with his air raid, much like Shannon Dawson. He is, Chip Lindsay is a Gus Malzahn disciple. Uh, and we know how Gus Malzahn likes to run the ball. I think Malzahn runs it more than Chip does. Uh, but still, there's going to be elements there. I, I'd compare him. Honestly to Rhett Lashley, who who Miami fans are, are familiar with, of course, with that Gus Malzon tree uh connection. They play more of a, a complimentary style of football this year compared to last year with Phil Longo in terms of how their approach on offense. The run game is definitely more emph- emphasized this year. There's more possession type throws in the passing game. They've done a better job of of time of possession. Um And I do think it's worth mentioning, too, Freddie Kitchens, uh, a former NFL-level coach, is their tight ends coach and run game coordinator. So he certainly brings good ideas on that front. Um, To this point, North Carolina's offense is top 20 in passing success rate, passing efficiency, top 15 in explosiveness, the run game, top 25 in success rate, which, again, is their efficiency, top 20 in explosiveness. So they've done a good job on offense. It's been a good fit. And and their approach on offense does a better job of protecting the defense this year. Last year, North Carolina's defense was an issue. They were on the field a lot. And uh, not only are they on the field less this year, they are also performing better in year two under Gene Chizik, who brings kind of that bend but don't break philosophy to the defense. I do feel like He's being a little more aggressive this year with his blitz packages, particularly on third down. Again, it's year two in their system. You can tell the players there at North Carolina are more comfortable in it. The run defense, uh, still, I would say below average. Their success rate run defense is in the 90s. Explosive run defense, kind of in the 70s. Uh, Pass defense, though, has significantly improved. They were arguably the worst power five pass defense in the country last year. This year, they're kind of a top 40 uh, pass defense and doing a much better job specifically kind of containing or limiting those explosive pass plays. So that kind of sums up their coaching staff. Gabby, let's get into their personnel. Attention, business owners. Have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Mucerino FURDOC PLLC.
1: Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a, a meticulous assessment of your filing ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no hidden fees. They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme.
0: Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Muserino Furdock, PLLC, at 561 561- four three seven zero four one four or visit musarinofurdock dot com. That's M U C E R I N O F U R D O C dot The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Starr is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Starr knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy.
1: If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name
0: upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561-573-4661. We'll start on offense. And of course, we will start with Mr. quarterback, excellent quarterback, Drake May. What stands out to you about him? just uh you you know maybe even year over year because we did see him last year and he was an excellent player last year what stands out to you about him this year watching the games that you did watch in preparation for the podcast
1: yeah i mean he's I, i think you just see every single reason why people kind of project him as as a top you know nfl draft pick you know he he can make all the throws um, he's extremely mobile, like just the way that he. I, I feel like his pocket awareness is so elite. Like he just kind of feels like kind of like it, things like collapsing around him, I and mean, he just knows exactly when to kind of bolt, get out of there, get rid of the ball, bo- get rid of the football. Um, I mean, he makes just something out of nothing constantly. Like even if, when things break down, like he just finds a way to kind of make things happen. Um, I mean, I just his it, just the delivery on the on the deep ball is is beautiful like his timing his his accuracy uh you know I think he's I think he's just an awesome just you know complete quarterback and you know again I think even his ability to kind of his ability as a runner like like he's like somehow kind of like a little bit like slippery like he I feel like he finds a way to kind of make people miss um he's just kind and then he's just I don't know I feel like he can be just kind of like a magician at times where just he's just capable of taking something that's just not there and just making something of it. Like I heard the commentator say it and I thought he put it nicely. Uh, I think it was in the Syracuse game. Like, even when he's wrong, it feels like he's right. Like, you know, it feels like he's just able to kind of make things happen. And look, I mean, I think that's one of the best qualities you can have in a quarterback when you have a guy that just makes things work. Uh, You see that he's kind of, you know, a competitor, he kind of battles, Um, you know, I I think that he's just an awesome, awesome quarterback. Uh, You know, I think there's a lot to like about what Drake made, just puts out there. And again, I I think you see why NFL scouts are kind of like salivating over him because it feels like he's a guy that is going to have a chance to have a a long NFL future.
0: Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a cheat code at at the college level. I think Gabby, just like watching him, I think he is the best ACC quarterback of the last decade. I think he's better than Trevor Lawrence. I think he's better than Deshaun Watson. I think he's better than Jameis Winston. The only one that kind of gives me pause, just from like a college quarterback standpoint, is Lamar Jackson, just because he was such a freak as yeah. a dual dual threat. You know, Jackson was like sixth in the country his senior year in rushing. He had yeah. sixteen hundred yards that year, in addition to throwing for twenty, you know, two hundred and eighty yards per game or whatever it was. But yeah, if we're talking about like prototypical quarterbacks i do think may is the best and, and i give him credit you know compared to those other guys like trevor Deshaun, and James, because those guys were surrounded by freaks as well at their programs i do think you know north carolina's personnel is good but drake definitely has to elevate the group uh as a whole and he definitely does that he's he's at that scary point in terms of just like year over year difference with him and this is the way it should be when you have experience he's kind of at that scary point where everything is just kind of moving slowly for him. He's out there pretty unbothered by everything defenses are doing against him. He can fit some crazy, just laser shot NFL level throws in these college windows and defenses at times. You just got to tip your cap to him because he is that good. You mentioned like how he can make some things wrong look right. I forget I don't even know when the commentator said that, but it could have been two opportunities he said that in that Syracuse game. There was one where he threw the ball behind the receiver who kind of tipped it yeah. to himself and took off. And there was also one where it's like an RPO read where um, Drake kept it, was looking to run, that the tight end was kind of leaking out to him, and he kind of yeah. like flipped it flipped in a it. weird, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it, like underhand yeah. flip, yeah. basketball-ish kind yeah. of pass. Um so he's creative guy. He also had I think it was against Pittsburgh. He had like a left-handed touchdown yes. pass. Which I was, think it's
1: app he did like he had like a chest pass. He did like a chest pass like he was playing basketball. Right. Like it's I mean, just he's just like just nuts. It's the stuff
0: that he does is just amazing. He is he is playing the stats might not show it. I mean they're starting to show it um with yardage. The touchdowns haven't quite kept uh, caught up yet. Uh, and I think there is a reason for that. I mean, frankly, you watch North Carolina, they're generating a lot of explosives in the passing game and their guys are getting tackled at the one yard line or inside the five yard line. So he should have way more touchdowns than he has. Uh, but anyways, the numbers show like he's his completion percentage has jumped in this system. 72% of his passes are uh, being completed this year. In every game, Gabby, he's completed at least 70% of his passes. Uh, his yards per attempt is up this year, 9.1 yards per attempt. He's just in total command. And, and like you were saying, Oh, by the way, you can do everything right on a third and long. Yeah. And then he'll break the pocket scramble, pick up a first down with his legs. So he will rip your heart out in that way. I do think just approach wise, like last year, you know, the, the Phil Longo offense is more vertical than the chip Lindsay offense. Um, but when you go and look at the, the numbers, Drake is attempting just as many deep shots this year, percentage-wise, as he did last year. So I, I did find that interesting. Um, just an excellent, excellent quarterback. How about his weapons, Gabby? What stands out to you about uh, the guys he's playing with? Because coming into this year, you know, one of the storylines with North Carolina was how are they going to replace the excellent slot receiver Josh Downs? Um, I think this group as a whole is better year over year, but maybe they're kind of miss. We'll, we'll find out with Tez Walker coming back, but what do you think about just their weapons in the passing game that Drake may is throwing it to?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think it's a really good group. I mean, I think what they did just, all And it's not even like replacing Josh downs, but I think you kind of filled in there with another really solid, just ACC player. Like when we were talking about Georgia tech last year, I remember highlight, I mean, Nate McCullum was kind of like the focus of just what Miami needs to do to kind of stop Georgia tech. Now Nate McCollum just slides over to Chapel Hill. I mean, and he's, mm-hmm. he's been really, really good for, for those guys too. He's been a huge weapon for Drake. May was his top weapon, uh, you know, in the Syracuse win last week. So, I mean, you got Nate McCullum, who I think is, is excellent. Uh, Tez Walker is back. He was a little bit, I mean, he still made some nice plays, but you know, statistically, was a little bit quiet in his debut. But you see that he's just like one of those big guys. And then you got Kobe Paceauer, who's another one of his, you know, kind of go-to guys on the inside. Uh, McCullum and Paceauer are the two guys that maybe catch the ball the most. I think Nate McCullum leads the team, and Paceauer is right behind him. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and then you got a guy like JJ Jones, who's another bigger wide receiver who kind of makes plays. I think stretches the field. I think he's averaging over seventeen yards per catch. Uh, and then you got like a trio of tight ends that I feel like they kind of go to yeah. also. I think they have three tight ends that are over a hundred yards for the year. Bryson Nesbitt is kind of like their flex guy. Uh, yep. I feel like he's maybe like the go-to tight end target. And then you got a uh, uh, Kamari Morales who I feel like has been at North Carolina like for just mm-hmm. ages. Um, so he's been there for, for a while too. And then I can't remember this other guy's name, um, but they John have a
0: Copenhaver.
1: Yeah. Copenhaver that he's a, He's another one that's again on un- and both Kamari Morales and Copenhaver averaging over 17 yards per catch as well. And Copenhaver has a pair of touchdowns. So I mean you have to kind of account for they can get they can get you multiple ways. Um yep. they have guys that can go vertical, they have guys that can kind of chunk up the field. Nate McCullum, I think, is kind of like the interesting slot guy that can kind of play a little bit of both and kind of beat you from from um uh you know from the inside or the outside, and then those tight ends. Um, you know, those... I I think he has a very, very uh, versatile and uh, deep uh, group of weapons to kind of work with, even though I don't think there's that top-end talent like Josh Downs was. But it's not the Josh Downs show anymore. I feel like he kind of spreads it out more.
0: And we'll see with Tez. Like, I do think it's worth... I do think it's worth saying, like, yes, uh, maybe he wasn't that involved in his debut, but I think it's very explainable because he didn't get word that he would be eligible until Thursday. Right. Yeah. And by then game plans kind of already in. And I, I would assume North Carolina staff had to scramble to figure out how to work him in the game. And you did see in that Syracuse game, he did have a catch on the sideline. Really nice. That was like freak show. stuff. That's why I didn't, where, that's
1: why I didn't want to say like he didn't do anything because he made like that really nice play.
0: Yeah. I mean, he looked like he has, I don't, he looked like he has like a six foot nine wingspan with yeah. the way he went yeah. up and got that ball. Um, so I think he can potentially be that type of obvious number one receiver. I know North Carolina seems like with the way they talk about him, they feel like he is that type of guy. Uh, but you're right. In terms of what we've seen to this point, Nate McCullum, uh to me, Gabby, he does remind me like he's kind of like their Xavier Restrepo. He is, yeah. He's probably more physically gifted, but it's a similar idea of like a slot receiver that can be targeted at every level of the field. Yeah. McCollum's average depth of target is 10 yards, which is pretty, pretty deep uh, for a slot receiver. But, you know, just for a point of reference, like Xavier Restrepo has done a very nice job uh, in the deep passing game this year for a slot receiver and his average depth of target is 8.8 8 yards. So McCullum is a slot receiver that you got to keep an eye on down the scene in particular, because, you know, Drake may being an NFL quarterback, basically, he can definitely fit those throws in there down the scene. Um Tez Walker, we've already talked about. I agree with you on the tight ends. Um, Bryson Nesbitt kind of the mismatch guy in space kind of has that athleticism close-ish to a big wide receiver they flex him out he's a guy to keep an eye on in the red zone I feel like all their tight ends right when yeah. when they get in the red zone it's kind of like tight end time and that's what makes North Carolina tricky to defend this year is they have such a diverse uh, personnel grouping on offense you know Kamar- Kamari Morales is a He's an H-back in line. He can also flex out a little bit. Copenhaver, kind of your in-line guy that also plays H-back and can flex out a little bit. So they make, you know, when they get in the red zone, there's a lot to deal with for a defense because you got Drake, of course, who can pass it and just run it. Um, You know, McCollum can get open in the short area. Tez Walker now kind of gives them a jump ball threat if they want to go that route. And then you got those tight ends. So definitely a nice little diverse group. I think they're only going to be better as Tez Walker gets worked into the offense more and more. How about their run game? What what stands out to you about them? Because year over year now under, um, you know, in, in recent years, they've, they've definitely had a good run game with some talented running backs. We know this, of course, from a Miami perspective, from that 2020 game. Uh, but last year, they were definitely pretty one-dimensional. And honestly, Drake May was their best running back. I believe he led them in rushing. Um, but this year they're they're definitely more balanced and they definitely have more of a hammer at running back this year.
1: Yeah. Love me. I mean, and Hampton is 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 I don't know. I mean, he he's a really, really impressive back. I mean, six foot, two twenty-five, like just absolute hammer, but he he has, you know, he has the ability to kind of break away. And uh, you know, make things happen with his legs too. I mean, he he's got some wheels on him. Uh he he's a he's a load to bring down. And and like you said, David, like I think it's really I, I feel like I haven't seen North Carolina run the ball or like want to run the ball um as much as they have as you know, just again, just kind of watching these those guys just you know over the past couple of days. Uh that they, they want they want to get that ground game going with Amari and Hampton and they use him plenty. He's obviously, I think like clear cut running back one. And then, you know, I think Drake may is a guy that, you know, ends up running a lot just because he kind of scrambles and kind of does things on his own mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but I mean, I think Amari Hampton is is definitely their guy. Uh, you know, he, he's someone that they can kind of, they can kind of lean on. Uh, and, and I get, I think, look, if you're Miami, I think a big focus is going to be kind of, Making that finding a way to kind of I, I guess we'll get into that. But, you know, I think Amari Hampton stopping the run is is going to be huge for Miami because I think they they want to create that balance and kind of keep you kind of guessing. And, you know, I think it's just the way that they kind of use when Amari Hampton gets rolling, how they're able to kind of just throw the ball off of that. It's almost just like it's over at that point, you know, because they can just spread out. They can just spread out the field and they just do such a good job uh, throwing it RPOs, all that fun stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I love me some Amari Hampton Drake may does a great job just in the running game too. British Brooks has kind of given him some good looks as well. Caleb hood. I think he got banged up early in the season and uh, you know, he played a little bit against Syracuse, but I know he's another back that they can go to uh, you know, if, if assuming he's back, uh, you know, cause he played against Syracuse. So um, a couple of those guys kind of make it go, but Amari and Hampton is, is absolutely uh, you know, the guy.
0: Yeah, Hampton has 461 yards on the season, seven touchdowns, ran for 234 and three against App State. So that's by far his best output. Um, I will say, again, this is nitpicking, but I will say outside of that App game, he has run for 56 yards per game and one touchdown. But there's no doubt there is a point of emphasis on running the ball with him. And he definitely is a downhill guy. He definitely has speed once he gets going. Um, But I do think a key is trying to make him wiggle a little bit. Uh, You know, you you make him wiggle a little bit. I think you can limit his effectiveness. And then, yes, Drake May as a scrambler is the other element to watch in the run game. He has run for 18 first downs on the year. So, uh, again, he's the guy that can – the defense will do everything right on third and seven and Drake May will go scramble for eight yards and keep the chains moving. How about the UNC offensive line? They, they're a group that's had something like four different offensive line combinations in these first five games due to some little injuries here and there. Uh, but I do think against Syracuse, they kind of had their full allotment, the, the starters that they want. Left to right, they go uh, Diego Pounds, Ed Montalas, Corey Gaynor, former Miami Hurricane, over three thousand career snaps at center, uh, right guard Willie Lampkin, and right tackle Spencer Rowland. So, anything stand out to you about them, Gabby? To me, they, they're a solid group. I think, yeah. You know, interestingly, Lance Gidry said they're probably the best O line they've played against this year. I disagree with that in terms of just pure talent. I think Texas A and M's O line is more talented but I do think North Carolina's offensive line is playing as a more cohesive group than a which does matter, of course, at that position group.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a solid, you know, I think they're, I think they're a good um, offensive line. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they're like anything like otherworldly or anything like that, but like, I don't think they're going to be like overwhelming is what I'm saying. But yeah, you know, I think they're solid. And again, I think, I mean, I think Drake may, again, I think he makes everything kind of just look better uh, just because yeah. of what he's kind of able to do and the way he kind of avoids negative plays because of what he can do with his legs. Um, but there's times where things do collapse on him and Drake may just makes it look good. So, I mean, they're not getting credited with a ton of sacks, but, you know, just kind of counted it up. I mean, 39 pressures, five sacks uh, allowed, at least that's what pro football focus says, um, you know, just credited to the offensive line uh, at this point of the season. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think they're I think they're a good, solid offensive line, but I don't think that that's it's I think Miami's defensive line should still be able to kind of, you know, generate pressure and make things uncomfortable. But then it's just about what's what's going to happen when when it's time to kind of get Drake May on the ground.
0: Yeah, I do think good defensive lines can beat them up front. Sure. But then the challenge is how do you how do you affect Drake May? Right. You know, and I think you know, squeezing the pocket, maintaining those, those lanes is important. Again, that's going to be easier said than done on some plays because Drake may just is that good. Um, but that is that when you, when Drake may does get sacked, it's because the pocket is being compressed on him and it's almost a sack between two or three defensive linemen getting to him at once, right? Those one-on-one sacks are kind of rare on Drake may, um, run blocking has been okay to me again I, they're not like a o-line that's necessarily going to push you around but they're solid they do they do a pretty good job how about the uh the north carolina defense they they're coming off a very strong performance against syracuse 221 yards of offense allowed against the orange 4.3 yards per play allowed they picked off two passes in that game um you know, again, to me, year over year, it's it's year two of Gene Chiswick. And so I think there is improvement because of that. I also think there's improvement because they've kind of revamped their secondary year over year. You know, last year against North Carolina, Miami played against corner Tony Grimes, who transferred to Texas A&M. Uh, Cam- Cameron Kelly was a safety. He transferred to Louisville. Storm Duck transferred, I think, first to Penn State, but is now yeah. ended up at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nickel, their nickel last year was DeAndre Boykins, who is now a backup. So their only really returning starter is Giovanni Biggers in the secondary year over year. Uh they also have a new defensive backs coach with Dre Blagon and Jason Jones in. So they're just they just seem to be on the page more this year, you know. I'm not sure if necessarily they're more talented year over year, but I do think they are playing together uh at a much better um rate year over year. You know, a lot of these, so the corners this year, Marcus Allen, he's he's a sophomore. Uh he wasn't playing much last year, but he's playing a lot this year. Giovanni Biggers, safety, he is a returning starter. Don Chapman was kind of like a rotational guy at safety last year, but he's their starter this year. Yeah tayon holloway redshirt freshman uh and then their nickel is by far their best player elijah Huzzy, out of east tennessee state so he's kind of a fun story and quite frankly a fun player just makes a lot of plays but what stands out to you about their defense in general
1: yeah i mean i i think the, i mean i think it's that defense kind of starts with those linebackers um what is it, Cedric Gray and Power Eccles? I mean, those guys, you know, lead the team in tackles. Cedric Gray last year led the nation in tackles, I'm pretty sure. I mean, those guys just find – those guys are constantly around the football. Uh, I think both those guys are just, you know, physical dudes that kind of get after it. Uh, I think they have a really strong pass rush. Uh, the Rucker, uh, you know, he's been one of the stories of, of kind of, you know, college football, just his ability to kind of rush the – rushed a passer for North Carolina. I know he's been a a major bright spot for them, but they got a couple guys, you know, I I think Desmond Evans is another big pass rusher that they kind of have that. I think both those guys do a good job of kind of making things hard on the quarterback, um, but I mean, and then that secondary, Elijah Huzzy is the guy that constantly kind of pops off the screen. And every time you're kind of watching North Carolina, you feel like he's someone that's being highlighted. He leads a team with three interceptions. Um, he's, I, I believe, his their punt returner as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, he's a guy that does he's a ton to
0: touchdown too. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I get in the. I think it was a pit game that he returned a, a, a touchdown. Uh, a punt return touchdown. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Elijah huzzy is is definitely an, an impressive dude. And those corners you're talking about like I feel like they're like big kind of, you know, pretty looking corners. Uh, yeah, I think Marcus Allen, yeah, Marcus Allen's like six two, one eighty. uh Holloway's like another like six foot one eighty five type of guy. And then a lot of those dBs, uh Don Chapman's a a, a big a, a big type of dude also. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a I honestly I think it's a it's a solid defense. I mean, I think personnel mm-hmm. wise, uh, they got big looking interior defensive tackles between Miles Murphy, Travis mm-hmm. Shaw, a couple of those other guys. Um, You know, so I, I feel like if you're drawing up, you know, power five defense again, maybe it's not I'm not saying it's like on all, all world defense by any stretch. But, you know, I feel like it kind of looks the way that you kind of yeah. that you kind of want it to look. And of course, you know, you got you got players across it.
0: One thing that stands out about the defense too is they've been pretty good against their power five opponents this year. So that's South Carolina, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Syracuse. They've only allowed five points per game in the second half of those games. So they've they've kind of done a good job of shutting teams down after halftime. And yeah, I would agree with everything you said. To me, really, there's five kind of like legitimately good players on that North Carolina defense. It doesn't mean the guys I'm not naming aren't solid players, but these guys kind of stand out and it would be Cayman Rucker, the edge rusher you're referring to. I think he's got like 25 ish pressures yeah. on the year. Uh, he's kind of an undersized, you know, quick high motor, yeah, like six, one and a half ish type of pass rusher. Uh, Miles Murphy to me kind of stands out as that nose tackle, that D tackle. In the middle, that does a nice job stopping the run. Those linebackers you mentioned, they're fast. They get to the ball. At times, their tackling can be a little frustrating, uh, but they do get to the ball and they run around. And Cedric Gray, in particular, can make an impact as a blitzer. He's very good at that. And then, yeah, Elijah Huzzy, the nickel transfer from East Tennessee. He's got impressive instincts, and he's got really good ball skills, really good hands for a DB. So he will make you pay if you test him and he's able to get his hands on the ball. Uh, I do feel like their run defense is average to below average at times, you know, um, particularly with kind of allowing some explosive runs. Um, And I also think too, quite frankly, again, I think they're, they're better year over year, which is a good start, but I do think their corners on the outside and their safeties are kind of gettable in the passing game. Um, again, it's, a, it's an improved group, but outside of Huzzy at nickel, I'm really not all that scared about their secondary. So that's my kind of sense. The North Carolina special teams, Gabby, you know, they've allowed a block punt the last two weeks with their shield, not doing a good job of blocking it up up front at kicker. They've kind of had to go to a backup here with, so they brought in a transfer and Ryan Co. Uh, I think he was from Cincinnati. He sustained some sort of injury, I'm guessing some sort of soft tissue, muscle strain injury. And after that, it's been Noah Burnett, who was their kicker last year. And this year he is perfect, going seven of seven. Their punter, longtime guy that's been there, Ben Kiernan has nine punts. He's averaging forty one yards per attempt. And you know, just in general, I think people get get bored with special teams talk, Gabby, but to me, you know, these games, three of the last four have been uh, three-point games. And in those type of 50-50 games, special teams do matter. That yeah. that battle for field position and making kicks, you know, that's played a big part, not a big part, but that's played a part in these recent North Carolina games. So last year, Miami lost 27-24, uh, Andy Borgales, It's hard to fault him on this too much, but he did miss a 53-yarder. I believe it was like going into halftime, whereas the North Carolina kicker made both of his field goal attempts in 2021. Borgales made both his kicks, while the UNC kicker went one of two. But Miami lost the the field position battle with Lou Headley having his rare bad game that night, um, averaging 36 yards per punt thanks to a block punt that went only 34 yards, whereas UNC's punter averaged 48 yards per punt. So he was really flipping the field. I think two of his punts that night traveled over 50 yards. 2020 game was disgusting, just a North Carolina blowout. So, you know, that was like one of those games where Miami had no interest in playing run defense, so special teams didn't really play a big part. I think I left that game, and I went to a high school game at Traz. Like, I was just like, I'm done, I'm done here. The 2019 game was a 28-25 loss at Chapel Hill. Bubba Baxa getting a kick blocked from 26 yards out and missing a 49-yarder at the end of the game.
1: The Bubba Baxa experience.
0: So he was 2 of 4. Noah Ruggles was their kicker at North Carolina. He was 2 of 3 that day. Uh, Miami did. dominate the punting battle that day though with with Lou Headley flipping the field consistently so again in these 50-50 type games uh you know no one thinks about special teams really I'm guilty of that but everything matters in these type of 50-50 games and that includes again field position and college kickers making their kicks on paper I think both teams are pretty good on special teams going into this game so keep an eye on that phase as well so let's take a quick break And then on the other side, we'll get into this matchup from a Miami perspective.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
0: All right, we are back. Gabby, some things we want to see from Miami's perspective going into this North Carolina game. Where do you want to take it?
1: Yeah, uh, just I guess I'll just start for me. I mean, one of the big things um, is just kind of get that running game back to the place that it was kind of at, you know, just earlier in the season prior to Georgia Tech. Um, As far as just You know, kind of doing just kind of getting that that little bit more that maybe Miami wasn't getting against Georgia Tech. And look, to beat North Carolina, uh, you know, I think you need to and this kind of goes and this kind of goes just into another point that I guess I have is just I think to beat North Carolina, you need to just you need to kind of keep the ball out of Drake May's hands. And I think you Mm -hmm. do that by running the ball. You do that by, you know, moving the sticks uh, you do that by being really efficient on third down. Just kind of go. I mean, App State was a, was the school that gave North Carolina the biggest fit this year. They went into overtime. Um, App State played. I mean, App State was awesome on third and fourth down. They were fifty percent on third and fourth down in that game. Um, you know, there were 10, 10 of twenty between the two. I think they were eight of, I think it was like eight of seventeen or something on 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 third down. But in that first half. Uh, you know they move the sticks. I think they 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 move the chains on third and seven or more four times, and three of the times they did it by running the ball. And I think just the and ability... who is their
0: coordinator at App State?
1: Oh, I think it's a man by the name of Frank Ponce who was getting a ton of love on the broadcast. By I the can way.
0: guarantee you, just knowing Mario, that they've talked. Yeah, I believe I can it. Guarantee you, he's picked his brain. Um, and you're right. Like that App State game stands out in terms of the way App State controlled the ball against North Carolina. Also, too, I think it's fair to say, after watching a bunch of North Carolina games, I think that App State offensive line is the best offensive line North Carolina has faced to this point as well. Now, now Miami's offensive line is going to be the best. Yeah. Uh, but there is some interesting overlap, I think, there in terms of um, – how App State controlled the game, leaned on the run. Really, I mean, it's different personnel, but their their running back Nate Noel does an excellent job of getting to the edges. Is there some of that ability or potential with with North Carolina's defense? Um, so, anyways, I cut you off, but yeah, I think that I wouldn't overlook that Frank Pond's point. But go ahead. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I and I, again, I think that just for all for all those reasons like you know i think miami needs to be able to run the ball efficiently i think they need to just be able to move the sticks chop the field out, down and kind of just you know move the ball and I, th- I think they that they can um another just i guess on the defensive side to me i think it's i mean it's it's kind of hard to say like what exactly you want to do to kind of drake may or whatever but i think to me you kind of have to i think it starts by kind of stopping the run i think you need to kind of make sure to me it's almost like making north carolina like one-dimensional like i think you need to prove that you can stop the run right they've been really good at and look and i think to the same point i think quarterbacks just in general have been held well below their kind of averages against miami so far this year so i think miami has done a good job. Uh, you know kind of containing these quarterbacks who have had who have had good years so I do yep. think that Miami's going to do a good job on Drake May but I still think that again I think this I do think that North Carolina wants to run the ball like I think that they have a desire to run the ball so I think if Miami can kind of you know stop the run like really really just like stop the run and kind of put the ball I mean it's really kind of dumb to say it sounds kind of dumb but like at least I think you just need to be able to kind of let your de- your those defensive lines just those defensive linemen just get after Drake may just try to create as much pressure kind of collapse that kind of that pocket kind of like the way you're saying, I think that's the only way that you can kind of beat him. Cause I think if they're able to get balanced, kind of like what I was saying before, like it just opens up so much more of their offense. Like if they can run the ball effectively, like what they do off the RPO, what they do off of play action. And when, and if you're, if you, if you have, if you're, if you're not playing the one to run well, and you're not able to kind of just go attack or whatever the case is, or you're kind of just like, you know, I think what Drake may can do to you is just like, you you have to stop something at a really, really high level. And I think if Miami can go in there and really just kind of make that point of emphasis, like you're not running the ball today, bro. Like you're going to kind of have to go beat us. Uh, you know, I think it at least gives Miami's defense, uh, you know, something to kind of just go get like, really just kind of pin their ears back and just go try to make Drake May's life as complicated as possible. But I think that's a, that that's a, that's a, big part of of this deal and obviously drake may can beat you and i'm not saying that that's yeah. how you beat and he him. will yeah he will for sure but i i do think that you know really just kind of making them one-dimensional i think is is going to be a key in helping this miami defense kind of play free and uh try to just get after him best you can
0: yeah the i agree the stopping the run thing it it definitely has to be a key this week in terms of like defending drake may it it to me, it just comes back to making him inefficient because, you know, he's going to get his yards, he's going to get his touchdowns, but what do those yards and touchdowns look like, I think, is the big question. Um, and, and so in that regard, you know, look, we know by now how Lance Guidry dials it up in terms of pressure packages. And I think, you know, obviously, in, in this type of game, the, the pressure packages have to work. Um you know, Miami isn't necessarily one of the leaders in the country in sacks, but they are amongst the leaders in affecting the quarterback with pressures. They're third in the country right now with a 43% pressure rate on quarterback dropbacks. Um, and Lance Guidry, as we know, will consistently send at least five rushers on a given play. And when Miami does that, they generate their pressure rate jumps to 66%. So, And, you know, we saw this play out against Texas A&M. Miami didn't record a single sack in the game officially, uh, but they did affect Connor Wegman the entire game. They generated 37 pressures. They had seven knockdowns on Wegman in that game. Uh, You know, they pressured the quarterback on 53% of his dropbacks. Now, having that type of success against Drake May is an entirely different beast. Uh, Drake May of course is further along in his career than Connor Wegman. He's a better player than Connor Wegman. Also, too, that tape is out there now whereas it really wasn't for Connor Wegman. Uh, I think it was kind of a surprise to Texas A&M. But I do think um you know that pressure stuff has to work and when you look at the teams North Carolina's played up to this point Really, the only team with a decent pressure rate is Pittsburgh, who is also at that forty-three percent mark. The rest of the teams uh, North Carolina's faced have a pressure rate of thirty percent or worse. So this is going to be by far the best front seven that Drake May has seen to this point, and they're also going to get after him. On the flip side of that, in terms of making Drake May inefficient. In a way, I agree. Like, you got to control the clock. You got to – and that's an interesting matchup in this game as well because both teams are top 20 in the country in time of possession. I think the Syracuse game, uh, North Carolina had something like 96 plays on offense. It was unreal, yeah. And and,
1: and Syracuse had, like, none.
0: Right. Like, Syracuse, I
1: think, ran 22 plays in the first half
0: and i think their final time of possession mark for north carolina in that game was like 37 38 minutes um so it's going to be interesting that little game within the game but i agree like you just got to make drake may inefficient which i think lance Gidry has done an excellent job of against all these quarterbacks he's faced to this point i agree with you in the run game stuff in terms of you know looking at uh how teams have run it against north carolina specifically app state having the most success and I do think that a lot of that was due to App State's play up front on the offensive yeah. line. Miami needs to make this a line of scrimmage game. So mm-hmm. um, this is this is going to be the best offensive line and defensive line that North Carolina has faced to this point. And Mario Cristobal wants this to be a line of scrimmage team. It needs to show up this week. The other point I'll make is uh, winning in the red zone. So, yeah. North Carolina is coming off a a game against Syracuse where they absolutely dominated. Like they were by far the better team. If you're going to nitpick them though, North Carolina was two of seven touchdown rate in the red zone against Syracuse. And that's not like when you have Drake may as your quarterback, that's underachieving on the season. I would argue they're underachieving with the 61.5% touchdown rate in the red zone. That's barely better than Miami, who's at a 60% touchdown rate this year to this point. Uh, we all know Miami was poor in the red zone against Georgia Tech, and that's one of the big reasons why they lost in, in what was a, a one-score affair. So we saw, we saw Shannon Dawson's fastball uh, in that Tech a m game with red zone play designs. We need to see some of that pop up again this week against North Carolina defensively. Both these teams are in the same range, too, in terms of red zone touchdowns allowed. Miami's allowing 57% red zone touchdown rate, which is 60th in the country. Now, they've only allowed eight on the year because teams don't get down there much on them. But I do think it's fair to expect Drake May and this UNC offense to get down there and have more red zone trips than Miami's seen this season. North Carolina, on the flip side, they're barely better than Miami with a 56% red zone touchdown rate allowed. So again, if you believe this game's a toss-up, which I do, that's where this, this type of game is going to be decided. It's in the margins, and, and red zone results play a big factor in that. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs.
1: This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at midwaysports.com.
0: Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient a judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way.
1: Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business
0: side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice-consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. How about a matchup we like most from a Miami standpoint? Where are you going with this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that um, just kind of, I mean, I, I, again, I think this is a really, I think this is going to be a really just fun matchup. But I mean, I do think one place where Miami has an advantage, I think Miami's defensive line versus Uni- UNC's offensive line, like I think that that defensive line can be uh, really impactful. Like, and to, and just again, just kind of watching the teams that they played, I mean, I just, nothing really kind of like popped to me as far as just like what they kind of were delivered, like what they kind of saw, what they kind of matched up with. Uh, I thought App State did as good of a job, I guess, as you can do. I mean, they still gashed them for like 200 something rushing yards, but I think Miami's defensive line is like kind of what you said is going to be the best that North Carolina's faced um, this, this whole season. And uh, I'm optimistic that those guys are going to kind of come in, uh, you know, ready to play and, You know, so I I like Miami's defensive line versus uh, North Carolina's offensive line. And like you said, I think this is a game that's going to have to be kind of won in the trenches. And if Miami can control the line of scrimmage defensively, I think that would be a a huge, huge win for them.
0: I'll stay on the line of scrimmage. I'll flip to the other side, though. I like Miami's offensive line against their front seven. I think from a pass rushing perspective, you do got to deal with Rucker. Yeah, so you got to handle him. And you also have to ID the blitz opportunities from from Cedric gray at that linebacker level if you do those things i i like how you're going to be looking in the pass protection phase from a run game perspective i think we know honestly like i think this offensive line can push people around so Definitely. more times than not and, and i think north Carolina's the type of front that's solid but i do think in general miami can kind of have some success there in the run game how about a matchup to keep an eye on that you're kind of like, eh, let's see how this goes from a Miami perspective.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, a couple, uh, but I think one that really stood out, I mean, just in general, and I think it's maybe more just my, a reaction for me to last week is just Miami's running backs versus those North Carolina linebackers. He's talked about Cedric Gray, Power Eccles. Uh Those guys, again, are obviously always, you know, at the football. And I just want to see if mine, if, you know, Henry Parrish, Don Chaney, those guys are, if they're going to be able to kind of challenge Ah, uh, you know that that second level and and just kind of get to just get get past those guys or you know because again I think Miami's going to have to kind of establish the run and I want to see how those guys respond to again uh, really I mean it's a good solid ah uh, you know core of linebackers between those two guys and I think ah uh, you know Miami's going to have to kind of win that matchup against that strong group of linebackers if they want to kind of do what they want to do running the ball so um, I'm interested to see uh, how impactful Cedric Gray and Power Eccles are on you know, the Miami's running game and how much, uh, again, they're able to either derail it or, or not. Maybe Miami wins that matchup and they're able to kind of take advantage of it. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch that.
0: Yeah. One thing, like, I'm not all that worried about this matchup, but I'm just curious just from like a, I think it's like a toss up matchup that you could tell me it goes one way or the other. And I would believe you. I am curious how Xavier Restrepo does against Elijah Huzzy. Yes. That's going to be a fun one. Huzzy's their best nickel. Restrepo is the best receiver. He plays out of the slot. Just how those guys go at it in that game. I'm curious how that turns out. On the flip side, I, I'm i keeping an eye on, because we, we've we talked about how O'Marrion Hampton is a bigger back, 220-pound back. I am keeping my eye on how things go when they run at Takori Couch at the nickel. And also just that second linebacker, whoever it is, like they're rotating guys there now, uh, whether it's Corey Flagg, Wesley Bessaint, or KJ Cloyd, uh, those guys need to be able to get O'Marion Hampton on the ground. That's going to be a big key in the game to me. Anything else you'd highlight to keep an eye on?
1: Um, I mean, I we already talked about Drake. I mean, I'm curious how Miami's receivers, like especially like those outside receivers – you know, Colby Young, Jacoby George. I think Jacoby George needs a kind of a comeback game uh, after after the Georgia Tech game. Uh, again, I, I like, and you you said it earlier. Uh, like, I do think the corners are beatable. Uh, but I think those guys need to kind of step up, you know, as far yeah. as, you know, and Kobe Young, you know, obviously created separation late in the game against Georgia Tech, but just winning their matchups, maybe more consistently and, and creating, you know, windows for, for Tyler Van Dyke. And again, I think it's just about kind of finding ways to get open. And uh, I think, uh, you know, Jacoby George and, you know, again, against Holloway against Marcus Allen and, Uh, I think both those guys can win those matchups, but are you going to go out there and are you, are you going to do it, man? Like, are you going to do it? So um, I I think, I think that's another one that I think is going to be interesting to watch
0: just after last week. How about a player that needs to step up?
1: Yeah, to me again, and I feel like we talk about this guy, constantly but for me it's I, I think leonard taylor just kind of being that guy in the middle of that defensive line and i don't know how long or how many years i mean i feel like we've been saying this for like two years like i feel like he's to me he's just i i think he needs to be a disruptor just in the middle yep. of that defensive line like he needs to be a guy that makes things difficult like in drake may's face like a guy that can kind of collapse that pocket that can force him yep. and then have those edge rushers again just kind of condense things and squeeze him in uh i think leonard taylor needs to be that force on the interior defensive line and maybe even branson dean too like branson dean could potentially be that guy but i would love to just see leonard taylor just kind of just do it and he does it and i think in flashes we will see it but i think he can be such like he could have such a tremendous impact in this game working against like you know that interior north carolina line and and things like that so i would love to see a leonard taylor game and just watch him just just kind of go like, just, just, just go be the guy that everyone thinks you can be.
0: So I'll highlight a few players here that need to step up. I, I would go Cam Kitchens just after the way Georgia yeah. tech game ended, of course, but then also you look back to North Carolina game last year, he allowed that 74 yard touchdown Uh, just, you know, not executing his assignment early in that game. He also allowed another deep shot Uh, that, you know, I think was tackled down at like the three or four yard line. North Carolina went and scored I believe North Carolina took a 14-0 lead um on those plays and you know Cam Kitchen's great player of course like he good player uh but that aggressiveness at times will get him in trouble um and I think he will bounce back but needs to step up obviously when, when you play a quarterback like Drake May you got to be sound on the back end Henry Parrish uh you mentioned him, Gabby. He does need to step up. That performance against Georgia Tech was not good enough. You you know, good running backs can generate their own yards. And I do think Miami's offensive line provided lots of opportunities for the running backs to go get their own yards against Georgia Tech, and they didn't. They just kind of took what was there. So hopefully they step up as a group, but specifically Henry Parrish. Um and then you mentioned him, Jacoby George, you got to play better than that, than what we saw against Georgia Tech, just kind of a sleepy performance. He needs to be at his best because when he's at his best, Miami's passing game is at a much different level. Uh, how about a potential player of the game?
1: Yeah, I'm going with, I'm going with Francisco Maunoa. Um, I think that, you know, he, I think he's someone that's playing some good football right now. Uh, you know, he, I think he has a chance to be extremely impactful just in multiple ways, you know, stopping the run, um, the way that he can impact the game as a, I mean, just as a, as a, as a blitzer, uh, I think Lance Kedry likes to kind of dial up some stuff with him. And I think he could have a tremendous impact on this game if he's efficient and if he's effective and if he kind of plays his best ball. So, um, he's, he's definitely someone I'm looking at and hoping and, you know, seeing an avenue for him to, to really just have the opportunity to to you know just create a ton of havoc and and be extremely impactful in this one.
0: I'm going to go with Tyler just
1: because I think he's who I wrote down originally and then I I was just like I'm not going to I was like let me just change that.
0: <laughs> I well I think obviously if Miami's going to win this game Tyler 100%. has to have a big time game. So that was my rationale, yeah. The thing we got to figure out this week is was that Georgia Tech game just an aberration, kind of one of those just random bad performances against Georgia Tech, or did the Yellow Jackets kind of expose some things um, with Tyler? So uh, it's a big game for him. You know, he needs to, quite frankly, he's going to need to outduel Drake May like he did Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh back in 2021. You know, in that game, Tyler threw for 426 and three touchdowns. Kenny Pickett threw for 519 and three touchdowns. Uh, and Miami won that game 38-34. In general, I think that how that game kind of played out in a big picture sense is how Miami is going to have to pull out this win um uh, against North Carolina this week because you look at it, uh yes, Kenny Pickett threw for more yardage than Miami than Tyler did, but Miami was more balanced in the run game than Pittsburgh was that day and they made more plays in the on defense than Pittsburgh did in terms of interceptions turnovers uh key sacks and tackles for loss so um you know that was one of those crazy shootout type games i think there's a chance this game takes on a similar identity and if again if miami's going to win this game tyler has to he doesn't have to be better than drake but he has to be good he has to play well, obviously. Yeah, um agreed. Sports line projections over unders. Sports line in their daily fantasy projects Tyler Van Dyke with 271 passing yards. Are you taking the over or under?
1: I'm taking the over, baby. Let's
0: go. I would too. Uh, yeah, but I, think I, was, I think he was. He was over that uh, against Georgia Tech, right? Like yeah. he was like 280. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a
1: easy over for, for Tyler.
0: And then for Drake, they have him at 302 passing yards.
1: Yeah, I might still go over. I mean, I think he's really good. So uh, I, I can definitely see that being over.
0: I agree. Um, I just included this one because I kind of want to have a discussion on it. Yeah. Uh, A.J. Allen, I set this. A.J. Allen, nine and a half carries in this game. I think... The under is the play there. Yeah. But I'll admit, I want to have, I want to see more of him. I think right. it's time to see yeah. him with a bigger workload.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, I mean, nine and a half carries, I mean, just based on what we've seen to this point, I think you kind of have to take the under. But I do I, I, I also agree that like I am kind of ready to see and David, I mean, how much should we hear about AJ Allen this offseason? Like, you know, it yeah. wasn't just like we were not just like making up AJ Allen stuff like, you know, there was very, very high expectations. And I think truthfully, at this point of the season, I think Miami, at least internally, it probably expected AJ Allen to be the guy at this point um obviously you know credit to Don Chaney and Henry Parrish because those guys that answered yeah and and they've honestly they they stepped up to the competition and they responded well to competition and they those I think both those guys have been better for it um but I think AJ Allen again is someone that they really want to see kind of come along uh but what's kind of hindering him I mean again we don't we don't exactly know um but I think I think I would love to see this kind of be an A.J. Allen like go like this, this like, you know, kind of just let, let him go and, you know, him kind of be a primary ball carrier in this one, too. Uh, so I would love to see over 10 carries, uh, but I just don't think we're going to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I, he, it's definitely trending in the opposite direction in terms of the FBS opponents. So against Miami of Ohio, he had nine carries. Against a he had five. And then against Georgia Tech, he had three. So, and again, it's not like, like I don't think Don and Henry are necessarily playing bad. I just think AJ has more upside. And so that's where I'm intrigued there. Uh, another one I just made up on the fly. I don't know if I even sent it to you, Gabby. But Tyler Van Dyke, one and a half interceptions. Would you go over or Ooh. under? I'm going to go under. There you go. I'm going to keep it positive too. I'll go under.
1: I just think we have, I don't know. I just think in, in general, there's going to be a, I think they're going to, I'm just optimistic that they're going to learn from it and not, you know, just have a repeat stinker, you know?
0: Yes, hopefully. Betting lines. So, North Carolina, last I looked, was a three and a half point favorite. The over under is set at fifty seven. So, you know, we've we've for me, Gabby, like we've talked about how these games have been three score get three point games, yeah. um in three of the last four meetings between these two teams. So, I'm going to take Miami and three and a half points. Um, and I would say, I would probably bet the over.
1: Yeah, I'm doing the same. I'll, I'll I'll take the three and a half points in Miami, and I'll, I'll and I'll also take the over. Just barely on each, but I'll take him.
0: Same. All right, score prediction. How are we feeling? I, look, man. I mean,
1: I I think like I really think that you know, obviously, there's ways that you learn certain things, and I think that obviously it you sh- you, you hope that it doesn't take something like this like the georgia tech performance to kind of i don't know to get a point across or to whatever show your team or to like to be able to build off of uh while kind of showing just a ton of like study tape and things the way we don't want to play you you hope you can find a way to escape those games with a win and kind of go and kind of just go through everything that went wrong and why it went wrong but Miami lost they have to kind of own that. They have to eat that. But I think that there's a lot that they can kind of go come back to the table to and say, you know, maybe just, again, what what was the expectation? Obviously, you don't want to lose Georgia Tech. But I do think that there's a lot that this team can kind of gain from that whole experience. And, look, I think that they can be better for it. I think that it could be one of those moments in the season that – you know, where we kind of look back and say, Hey, like, you know, obviously that's not a loss you want to take, but I think that's a loss that you could take something from. And I, I'm optimistic that this team is going to take something from this loss. And I think we're going to see a much, much better performance against North Carolina in a game that, that really matters. Obviously a lot on the line, it's going to be prime time national TV, you know, at a, a top 12 opponent. And I do think Miami's going to be able to, to bounce back and look, I mean, obviously tall task ahead. Drake may is one of the best in college football, if not the best, um, and there's a lot that Miami's that's going to have to go right for Miami, but you know I, I'm optimistic that you know Shannon Dawson's going to have a bounce back game, Tyler Van Dyke's going to have a bounce back game. Uh, this defense is going to Lance Gidry. I think is 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 very very talented and very gifted, very intelligent and, and able to and being able to draw stuff some stuff up. I think Miami's good in the places where they need to be good uh, in order to go and win this game. And look, I think North Carolina is is I think it's a beatable team. Like obviously they're a good college football team, but I think that there's areas where they're not super strong. And I think that there's avenues for Miami to be able to take advantage of it. I'm I'm obviously rolling with the hurricanes here. Um I'm again, I'll take the three and a half points. I got Miami 31, North Carolina 27. Uh Miami escapes Chapel Hill with with a win.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, to me, like I think this is essentially a 50 50 game. you you take the emotion of the way the Georgia tech game ended and this is a 50 50 game now did the way that game ended impact the locker room i think that's a fair question to ask but that's not the sense i'm getting at all this week um again we won't really know that officially until end of the first quarter or maybe even halftime and i think as fans and even as media you know we we think there is more carryover after those type of games than there really is. Uh, now, if those type of results keep, keep happening, then I think that pile on effect is there. And it's something you have to worry about in terms of like losing the locker room, but I don't think we're there yet with this Miami team right now. So, you know, I do think Miami's going to have a chip on their shoulder this week. And, and honestly, I expect them to kind of be more motivated in this game than they would have been if they squeaked out a 20 to 17 win against Georgia tech uh, just by kneeling the ball. Right. Uh, In general, I do feel like Miami is the better team. Whereas North Carolina has Drake may we talk about Mario Cristobal changing the culture. You know, this is that type of game, a winnable game on the road against a good opponent. Go get it. Miami 33, North Carolina 30. I love it. I love it. So let's see how this goes. I Again, I think it's a 50-50 game. I expect the game to be competitive. Obviously, uh, Drake May is a, is a big, big, big-time player. Um, but I expect, number one, I expect Tyler Van Dyke to bounce back. Yeah, And I think the defense will do a good enough job against a good North Carolina attack. So, again, 7.30, ABC, Miami on the road. Big game for Mario Cristobal in terms of getting this thing back up off the ground and back on track. Uh, Let's see how it plays out. We will be covering the game that day and have an instant reaction to the result following appreciate everyone for listening thank you to all our sponsors for your support as well and until next time take care